You're listening to the You Mentor Talk Show. I'm your host, Fatima Al-Sayed, and this week's show is brought to you by Bike Depot. On this weekly talk show, we invite experts to learn from their career journeys as professionals in their fields. Tune in every week on Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear the advice of these professionals. And remember, if you have any questions for the panelists, you can always leave them in the comments section. Today's guest is Habib Fayez. Habib helps you reach your highest potential through martial arts training. How are you? Well, salam, sister. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on the show. It's great to have you. I'm excited for people to hear about your journey. Um, just to give everyone a little rundown, um, Habib is a martial arts teacher, as it says in his uh, bio, and he's going to tell us his journey through martial arts and the several countries he's lived in and how he got to where he is right now. Um, so, Habib, can you tell us about how you got into martial arts? What was your inspiration? Yeah, sure. Yes. Um, I was born and raised in, uh, in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And um, I started uh, martial art training around the age of 10 or 12 years old. <clears throat> and the reason I got into it is because uh, there was a lot of bullying issues. Mm-hmm. And um, at the same time, <laughs> the uh, Bruce Lee movies came out in 1979 <laughs> and so I used to watch a lot of Bruce Lee movies and I idolized them a lot mm-hmm. but the main thing was uh, you know bullying kids teasing and calling names and they were picking so I had to do something in order to to defend myself mm-hmm. uh, and also my brother was um, you know also, I had to protect my little brother who was going to school with me. As a matter of fact, one day uh, after school, he came He came to me and said that, uh, you know, these kids are calling me names and they're bothering me and hitting me. So I said, okay, you go ahead and go. And after school, I'll take care of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, lo and behold, after school, um, I thought it was, it was just going to be a couple of them. But there was like a, a dozen of them came. What they were waiting for me with the shovels and sticks. Oh my god! And so me versing, you know, a dozen of them with mm-hmm. all of the weapons that they had. So we start fighting, and and uh, I defended myself. And throughout the fight, and I I hit one one of them in the face really hard that I broke my hand, and to this day my hand is broken because of that. Mm-hmm. And that um. Uh, ironically that you know that that really gave me a sense of empowerment because after that day nobody uh, messed with me or with my brother so um, it gave me a great sense of um, confidence and empowerment this is wow this is great so that's how I um, that's how I started because of the bullying Mm -hmm. issues and you know so you had to protect yourself yeah um, at that time, uh, what was the situation around you guys in terms of the country? Well, uh, 1979, the Russians invaded Afghanistan and mm-hmm. it became uh, a total chaos. It was, um, the country was, you know, becoming, going towards becoming communist. So you had to have a, a, a communist 
uh, card in order to go anywhere. If I wanted to go and join a, somewhere, you had to have a communist uh, party card and we didn't have that. So, and then and increasingly the situation escalated that it became um, a total war against the government and different organizations and different groups mm-hmm. they rose against the government and um, uh, and civil war broke out. So in 1983, we just escaped. We went to the mountains for a couple of weeks. We stayed there. And then we came to, uh, we migrated to Pakistan. Mm-hmm. And in Pakistan, uh, again, um, I pursued because the, the transition was really hard because it was just overnight. We left everything behind and escaped. And we came to Pakistan and stayed there for about three to four years. Were you going to school between those times? No, there was, we had, I, unfortunately, I didn't have the, uh, the opportunity to, to, to go to school because the, the, the circumstances, uh, we were not sure if we were going to go to Iran or if we we're going to go to another country. It was just stand by stand, you know. Mm-hmm. The next, we were just um, going by, uh, you know, by the ear to see where we're going to go. So one month, two months, three months, and it went on to becoming years. Mm-hmm. And so I told my dad, you know, please find me something to do. <laughs> so he found me a job at a hospital, at a ICRC hospital, and I used to work over there. At the age of 15, I was working at... Um, Pay, carrying patients around as a porter and then re- later on I was promoted uh, in the op- operating theater and I was an auto club uh, specialist and soon after that we had to move again to a different city uh, city in Karachi and uh, again we had to play the waiting game to come to United States so we had we were over there for about a year, year and a half, no school, no education, nothing, just waiting around. So I found a martial arts school and continued my training um, over there. Mm-hmm. Now, when you first um, watched that first class, um, were you, how old were you? I was 10 years old. When I was, um, when I went to join the, um, the karate school, they mm-hmm. asked me if I had an ID. I said, no, I don't have an ID. I'm not a you know, communist. This was so, back in Afghanistan. This was, yes, back in mm-hmm. Afghanistan, yeah. And so I just sat there and I watched the classes and I went back home and practiced whatever I had uh, watched and I just mimicked and practiced it by myself. That's and, so clever. Uh, you had to really memorize what they were doing in order to go back and learn it yourself because you couldn't practice in front of them, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I had to, I, I just memorized visually. I remembered what they were doing, the stretches, the kicking, the punching, the blocks and the movements. I imitated everything when I went back home. As a matter of fact, I had made a course in the backyard and I would just run around and jump and kick and, you know, do the flying kicks. Uh, so, I mean, it was just, I had to do whatever I had to do to, to, to occupy myself and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the, the training and, th- and then I found out a school that didn't require that. And so I joined that school and um, that was a private school. It was an underground school. Mm-hmm. And 
And uh, that's when I really um, got into it. Was this in uh, Pakistan? No, no, no. This was back in Afghanistan. Oh, okay. And um, yeah, in, in Afghanistan, I, 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 we trained until I became a yellow belt, yellow mm -hmm. belt, and then we had to, we had to leave the country. Leave, yeah. Yeah. Um, so w when you first got to the state, so what state did you move to? Well, we had actually, we had no choice because we were refugees. Mm -hmm. And uh, when my dad told me, when we were in Pakistan, it, it, he told me, we're going to Florida. Okay. Florida, he showed me a map of USA and he said, we're going there. I said, out of all the places we're going here in Florida, is this why are we going in, you know, out of, on the bottom of the US? Why not mm -hmm. going to middle or New York or somewhere else? Well, we have no choice. We have yeah. to. We have to go wherever they ask us to go. So we came in Florida in 1986 uh, or early 87. And ever since uh, I've been here. And the first thing that uh, went through my mind when, it, when we came here is where is a Taekwondo school? Where can I start? So right away I found a school and, um, you know, I started uh, riding my bike, going to, mm -hmm. going to the um, Taekwondo school and uh, continued training and I got my black belt around 19 I believe 1989 I got my black belt and uh, when that school shut down he Grandmaster C. Young Joe that was his name and he went to California when he moved to California uh, I so I had to find another school and I found uh, my current teacher uh, Young Ho John so I've been under him studying under him since then that's a very long time <laughs> it is it's it's been quite a journey and he uh he taught me a lot he taught me a lot about um the martial arts the philosophy of the martial arts the business of the martial arts so and yeah it's been it's been it's been good it's been quite a journey through martial arts training are there regulations for um like for the process of becoming uh, a martial arts teacher or for you to join the school? Are there prerequisites? What's the situation around that? Um, there are no regulations as far as opening a school, no. But um, to in order to open a school, you have to go through, um, you know, you have to really find a good school, accredited school, someone who has link to the origin of the um you know taekwondo which is korea and so my teacher he is a ninth degree black belt he's uh on a board um commissioner commission board in uh kuki one korea so he's well pretty well known uh in the world of taekwondo and he's ninth degree black belt mm -hmm. so it's really important to find a good school if you want to take that route Make sure that uh, the school is accredited, because anybody can anybody can say I'm a black belt because there's no uh, there's no regulations mm -hmm. required. There's no licensing required. So, how many years of training would someone need in order to be to be able to open a school? To be open uh, to to open a school is really uh, it doesn't take much. You just take a space and open it up. But the hardest part is to keep 
running the school mm. um you know to to teach people the 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 art of taekwondo mm -hmm. you know people are not dumb they'll find out the truth whether uh, you're a true martial artist or you know you're not a true martial artist so, so people will find out be a true martial artist to be a true martial artist, you have to really be uh, live by example. You have to you have to uh, practice what you preach. Uh, you have to train every day. You have to practice every day. You have to be good in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You have to live by example, uh, because you know people see right through you. You're teaching in a class, and if you're out of shape, and you say eat right and exercise right, and <laughs> and they see you not doing that, they're not gonna follow that. Yeah. So, you know, it takes, you have to really lead by example and, um, and practice what you're, what you're teaching to the students. What, um, what sort of initiated your decision of starting or opening your school? Well, what uh, made me um start my school was when i um used to work i used to work at chase chase bank i was a manager mm -hmm. uh during the daytime i used to work over there and then the evening i used to teach for my uh instructor for my uh teacher i was running his school so i was working two jobs at you know in the morning i used to be in the bank and in the evening i used to teach um martial arts so in, in, in 2005, Chase laid off all the employees. And uh, I said, wow, uh, that's not good. <laughs> um, so that really opened my eyes. I said, if this is the way they, they just overnight, they just lay people off, I have to do something. Not stable. Yeah, it wasn't really stable. So <laughs> I decided to open up, um, incorporate myself, and I found out how to do that. Um, it, it just takes, you know, a few minutes to go online and just do an incorporation and do the bylaws. And so I did that uh, while I was teaching uh, for my um, teacher. I was running his school um, under my business. And mm -hmm. then um, and then I had a conversation with him. And, and so I opened my own school and um, opened up my own branch. Mm -hmm. So that's how it got started. I was laid off and then I said, okay, fine. I'm done with the corporate world. <clears throat> do you have a business degree? I do have a business degree, yes. Um, I, I, I have a business degree in uh, it used to be called computer information system or management information system, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what made you decide to go that route um, when you were choosing your field of study? Well, um, I wanted to, to study, actually, I wanted to become a pharmacist, but there was no uh, pharmacy, pharmacy school nearby. And I didn't really want to go out of town, you know, uh, to other places, other schools. Uh, I wanted to also become a physical therapist, mm -hmm. but uh, there was no physical therapy here. The main school is uh, USF, University of South Florida. So I said, let me just do computer information system and that, uh, you know, um, that might help me out. And so I studied that and um, 
and so that um, ended up to be working out for me. Where did you feel passionate about it when you were studying it, or did you just feel this is something that I need to do in order to make a living right now? I didn't really feel passionate, but I knew that I had to do it because everybody mm -hmm. else was doing it. Yeah, uh, it's just one of those things that you know um, you're you're required as a young person to go to college and to get a degree mm -hmm. and. Um, it is the social norm to go to college and get a degree and do well. And so um, it, it was just natural for me to go, for me to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with your life experience of not being able to go to school for half your life, do you feel you push your kids towards education more? <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, because, yeah, when most parents, most people who did not have the opportunity to study or they, 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 they didn't have the foundation as mm -hmm. they did when they were, they tend to push their kids and towards um, what they didn't have in, when they were young. Yeah. So, yes, I do emphasize a lot of uh, academics. Um, to them and I, and I emphasize that in order to be successful in your future you have to be um, you have to be um, academically inclined and you have to be able to um, you know learn quickly and adapt quickly in your environment you can't do that mm -hmm. unless you have that um, you know intellectual capability and capacity yeah. So I do encourage them to to do well in school, um, and whatever whatever they want to do, if they want to become doctor, engineer, lawyer, whatever. But you have to become some something. Otherwise, uh, if you want to have your own business, then it is you have to really be passionate about it. Mm -hmm. You're going to you're going to uh, sure you have the freedom. You have, you can go to work later in the day. You can go whatever, but it is on your time. It's on your mind, twenty-four hours a day. You have to continuously twenty-four hours, seven days a week. It's on your mind. How am I going to get the next customer? What should I do in order to stay ahead of the competition? And so you have to really educate yourself and teach yourself about marketing and. Um, everything to 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 run your business yeah if you're not that competitive it's not you, you don't have the competitive uh, uh ability mm -hmm. uh, the competitive spirit then you should you know you should go and become something like uh, a doctor engineer so this way you have a stable uh, stable job and something that's you know coming on a regular basis especially now and this is and nowadays because of this coronavirus, all the business shut down. Yeah. And people who have the stable jobs, they're doing well. The engineers and doctors, they're doing really well. Mm -hmm. So if you're passionate yeah. about it, um, I think it goes also back to that passion as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, what's your philosophy um, in your school? I know that uh, Taekwondo really is based on the mindset that a person is in. So what's the mindset you give your students? Well, the first thing that uh, I tell my students is that, look, when you, 
uh, when you look back and you look back in uh, ancient uh, times, 2000 years ago, Taekwondo or martial art was not a hobby. It wasn't, it wasn't a sport. It wasn't something that did it for fun. It was a way of life. So if you really want to do martial arts, if you really want to become good in martial arts, you have to look at it from that perspective, that it is your life that you're trying to improve. It's not just, you know, kicking and punching. You have to think of it as it's, your life that you're trying to improve. It's a life and death situation. You have to practice, you know, every punch that you throw, every block, every kick, every move that you do, you have to practice as if it, if it was your life depended on that particular move, just like the ancient martial artists. They didn't do it because it was fun. They didn't do it because it was a workout. They did it because their life depended on it. So that's what I tell my students is that if you want to become good, think of it as life in that situation. Yeah. And that will never become boring to you. It's a repetitive thing, but at the same time, it is your life that you're trying to improve. You're, it's never enough. It's never enough to, that, to practice and continuously improve mm -hmm. yourself. And I think that makes them really appreciate and respect it more. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, uh, it uh, it carries uh, because that way. When you understand that philosophy, you don't you know you don't think of it just uh, just as another block or another kick or another movement. Mm -hmm. Now it becomes more than that. It becomes a way of life. It is your life, and that transcends mm -hmm. over to your schoolwork. So, what mm -hmm. happens if you don't study hard? What happens if you don't, you know, do your homework and you have an exam and you're playing around and not taking it, you know, you're not taking it seriously, you're going to fail. So you, you die. And in that sense, the, the, the martial art, the, uh, the, if you're thinking of martial art philosophy that way, then it, it's going to help you in your school in your profession, professional mm -hmm. life and your, you know, Family life is going to transcend and help you in all aspects of your life. Do you feel for you, martial arts, uh, parallels to your religious ideology as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, uh, martial art goes hand in hand with, um, with martial art training. Mm -hmm. it, there's no contradiction. And it's there's a parallel of uh, Taekwondo training and the Islamic ideology. For example, when you're praying, you have to be really conscious of your prayer, of what you're when you're reciting a dua, when you're reciting the verses in your prayer. If you just do it and you go to the movement, sure, yes, you do the movement, but did you really gain? anything spiritually did you gain did you gain anything from it if you just recited and you didn't pay attention to it mm -hmm. same thing in, in in martial art if you just go through the movement without thinking about it without being conscious and aware of what you're doing why you're doing that you know the reason behind the movement and being aware of what you're doing so there is a parallel between 
between martial art training and um, the Islamic ideology. And also, the other thing is um, continuous improvement of yourself. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing is that martial art emphasizes that you never um, complete. You have to always continue to improve yourself both physically mentally and spiritually you have to continue to balance your life and that uh, continuous improvement of yourself it brings about um, you know uh, humility in your life because mm -hmm. the more you learn the more you realize that the more there is to learn so when you understand that philosophy of um, learning, then you become humble. And same thing in, uh, in, in Islamic ideology is that when you're learning, the, the higher your knowledge, mm -hmm. the, the better your attitude, the, the more humble your personality yeah. becomes. And that's why the scholars are when I see these uh, scholars, I, why are they so humble? At the same time, they're so peaceful and happy. And how are they so why? calm? Because yeah. they, they calm, and because they 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 study so much, their knowledge is so much that uh, they become humble, and they're open, and their cup is empty. Mm -hmm. So. Same thing in martial art training. There is the more you train, the more you learn, the more you realize that the less you know. Yeah. And that humbles you. And so that is the, the parallel uh, that I find in martial art training. That's so beautiful. Um, for you, is it true to say um, that martial arts has been the one main constant thing that you always fall back on in your life? Yeah, that is uh, so true that you bring up. Yes, uh, you know, ever since when I was young, whenever um, something happened in school, something happened, you know, uh, wherever at home or whatever it was, I used to just, you know, that was my escape. That was my uh, go-to, the backup thing that I needed to do. Some people, you know, resort to other things, but... I, I all, always resorted to Taekwondo training. I used to go in the back, you know, in the backyard and start running and start kicking and punching and doing my form. And that gives you such a feeling of satisfaction and relief. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, it's almost like a self um, express expression. And it gives you, um, you know, an outlet. Um, mm -hmm to express yourself and forget about everything that's going on in your life. And I always did that throughout my life. I've been using that and I've been doing that. And to this day I do it. I do the same thing is um, once a day, I just get away from everything and I just go out and I, you know, do my workout and do my routine and whatever mm -hmm. I need to do. And because it's such a, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And that's, Another parallel to it is that on a daily basis, we pray. At a specific time, we pray and we do our spiritual um, duty towards yeah. our religion. And, and the same thing is that I, I go back and I do my, you know, my martial art training. 
to 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 physically um, keep myself in good shape. And so, yes, yeah, that that has been a constant. That has been the common denominator in my mm -hmm. life. That whatever happened is what I, uh, I I resorted to martial art training. Yeah, and it's been good for me. And you've had such a long and tough journey. Um, it's been how many years has it been since you left Afghanistan and started this journey? Um, we we left in 1983. So wow. 1983, and then um, ever since then, I've been I've been training uh, continuously. It's been uh, it's been a very long journey. Yeah. It's been an interesting journey, and uh, it is a journey of life. Life is never really the way you plan it to be, but you have to, at the same time, be adaptable. Mm -hmm. You have to adapt. Just like, uh, you know, a common saying of Bruce Lee says, you have to be like water. You have to be like water and adjust and adapt to your environment. And humans, we as humans are adaptable um you know creatures we adapt to we, we that's why we have survived so long is that we adapt to our environment quickly mm -hmm. and those who don't adapt they uh, they perish and die so yeah. you have to be able to adapt especially nowadays in this environment mm -hmm. of uh, coronavirus you have to adapt to this environment what are you going to do when you're stuck at home are you going to sit yeah. down and you know do nothing uh, you know, take advantage of the opportunity and, you know, read, yeah. take it, take the time to, to, to spend time with your family and exercise, learn something new, learn, uh, you know, what I do is I take, I, I, I have increased my time to exercise and, and learn other things. So be adaptable. We've unfortunately come to the end of our show, but I wanted to ask you, what's your final piece of advice before we end it? Mm. Well, um, I am no scholar or a wise person to give anyone <laughs> any advice. But if there was one thing that I um, would tell the young generation is that um, take advantage of your time. Because when mm. you're young, you have two things on your side. One is time. And the other is energy. Because when you get old, you don't have time and you don't have energy. So take advantage of that mm -hmm. and uh, make something out of yourself. Um, avoid any distractions because now uh, there are so many things that distract, uh, distract, especially young people, the devices and the environment and the media and Hollywood and all of that, it takes the, the attention away. So put your blinders on, um, work smart, work hard, mm -hmm. and um, make good friends. Stay away from bad friends because the, the friends that you make, um, you know, they say, show me your friends and I, and I will tell you your future. So make good friends. Mm -hmm. Take advantage of your time and study hard and make something out of yourself that would be my advice is to take advantage of the opportunity now because most of your life you you're going to be living as an adult as an older person not as a young man or a young woman 
Yeah. Thank you so much, Habib. Yeah, no problem. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Same here. Thank you. You were just listening to the Umentor Talk Show. If you missed this or future shows, you can always hear the replay on the Umentor website under prior talk shows. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the iTunes or SoundCloud podcast so you never miss another show? Did you know you can also listen on your Alexa-enabled device by just saying, Alexa, play Umentor Talk Show on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions for our current speaker or prior speakers, please email us at mentor at mojaoutreach.org and we will get feedback from our speaker. Thank you for listening to our speaker today on Facebook Live. Be sure to tune in next week on Saturday at 3 p.m. to hear from our next guests.